you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lofton. So, upon reading these passages of Scripture, um, I want to call your attention to the fact that believing something doesn't necessarily equate to receiving it. See, that's what struck me when I read that. That's why I read it twice. It said, have you received since you believed? So that was a strange question I thought from Apostle Paul because I naturally thought that if you believe, you've already received. But apparently that is not true. I think the church, saints of God, is at a critical impasse right now because she is filled with people who believe God is real. They believe Jesus walked the earth. They believe that, that, that it's good to be moral. They believe that it's good to respect people. They believe that God was a, is a good person. They believe that Jesus was a good person. They believe that it's good to go to church. But when it comes to having a real encounter with God... That's where they go lacking. Well, there is a a direct disconnection that I can see with people because maybe they believe something that they haven't received. Now, those who have been left ignorant and left in error should be compassionately instructed. And this is what I came to do today. Now, listen, let 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 me just tell you to write this down. Write this down. It is not what you've got that makes the difference. It's what you use. It's not what you got that makes a difference. It's what you use. A lot of you in this room today, you got more in you than what you're using. See, a lot of times we, uh, we well, as soon as somebody do this, then I'll do that. As soon as the church does this, then I'll do it. As soon as the pastor do this, then I, as soon as my husband, as soon as my wife do this, as soon as my kids do No, no, no. You have something in you that you need to do. God has blessed all of us uniquely with some amazing gifts. Everyone in this room has been blessed by God. Put your hand on your heart and say, I am blessed by God. He has uniquely given you gifts and talents that nobody else can do those things. The Bible said in the book of Genesis, and God blessed them and then said unto them. So in other words, he didn't say anything until he had already blessed you with what you needed. And God blessed them and then said unto them. So if God has spoken to you about something, he's already blessed you with what you need. Are you hearing me here, saints of God? See, the reason I say that is because a lot of times we can get so caught up in what we don't have and don't understand what you got is inside of you. So God is waiting for you to move out into something, and you sitting back saying, God, I wish you would do this. God, I want you to do this. God, if I had enough money, God, if I can move. No, God is saying, no, whatever you need is already in you. So we don't look out, we look in. Hello, somebody. And so, so, but there has to be something inside of us that has to change so that we can get an illumination of what's really in there. Because if you live your life based on your past, then your past is always going to keep you looking in the rearview mirror. And you can't really move forward and capitalize on what's in your future if you continue looking back. It will be just like driving a car. And if you drive a car continuously looking in the rearview mirror, eventually, <laughs> yes. Something is going to happen. But listen, listen, listen. The rearview mirror is much smaller than the windshield. Notice how people will look at something smaller that will keep them in their past when God has so much more bigger in their future. 
And you just keep looking back. Boy, I wish if I had, that had not happened to me. Ooh, if I had have done this. Ooh, if I had have done. No, no, no. What are you going to do today? It's not about what you don't have. It's about what you got. Amen. So you can take what you got and use it. Amen. Hello, somebody. Amen. If you say, well, I don't know enough about something, then what should you do? Go learn about it. We have public libraries that have enough books on everything. It's free. Somebody say free. free. You can go get a resource. Even if you don't like reading, you can get the Audible. Amen. <laughs> I'm thinking about football. I'm sorry. Audible. So you can get the, <laughs> the, the audio. I'm sorry. <laughs> and so, I'm sorry. I've got football on my mind. And so you, you can listen to it, right? Listen. You can listen. How many, how many like listen to books? Right. Because you just don't have time to read. So you can listen to books. If you don't know enough about money, then go get books on money. See, see, God, he'll bless you if you can understand how to handle everything. But don't be praying for the two million if you can't handle twenty dollars. He said <laughs> and God said, if you're faithful over a few things, I'll make thee rule over many. And I enter the end into the joy of the Lord. But if you're not faithful over the few dollars you got, then how can God trust you with what he really wants to put in your hands? Can somebody say amen? Now, listen, I don't, let, let, me just, let me clear something up about money in the church because a lot of people don't understand. I can't pay bills on faith, and neither can you. So we have to pay the bills in the house, and I pay bills with money. Somebody say money. money. So we have to get an offering from you to pay the bills. We have to, you, you don't want to be up in here and you're hot and sweaty. We got to have the air on, right? Hello, somebody. And so, so we, we do that with the money. Somebody say money. Money. So it's not how much you have, it's how much you can handle. So we need money in the house of the Lord to take care of some of these essential things. But I'm a Bible teacher. I'm not a beggar. I have never begged anybody in this church ever for money. I don't have to beg for your money. Elaine and I get blessed on what we give, not based on what you give. So I don't have to beg. I want to teach you so good that you're going to want to give. See, that's my job. You, I want you to say, shoot, man, I got to put something in, that, in the coffers in that church. But they blessed me. Right? I want you to leave blessed. Amen? Hello, somebody. But God doesn't mind you having money. It's just money. That's all it is. It's just money. Say money. money. And people say, well, I don't know if God wants me rich. Why not? Ain't nothing to being rich. It's just, you're just rich. You just got a little more money. You can live in a better place. And, but you still got problems. Just because you have money don't mean that you're going to be exempt from problems. You're going to have more problems because they're going to be more expensive problems. <laughs> Amen. And trust me, you're going to have, I'm going to get ghetto on you. You're going to have more cousin them. You're going to have cousins coming out like roaches. Like, hey, you know, I'm your cousin on your mama bookie side. You didn't know me because I was over in the other family. But can I borrow $50? You're going to have more people. You, you don't even know you got that many people in your family when you got some money. Somebody say money. money. It's nothing to having money. If you can handle what you got, you can handle more. Right? But listen, make sure you're a good steward of what you have now. If, if you want a better car or a better house or a better job, what are you doing with the house and the car and the job you got currently? All right, this is not in my message, but apparently this is somewhere I need to go. So I'm going on up in there, right? So if you can't take care of the small house, car, job you got, then why would God bless you with more? If you can't handle the few folk you work with now, 
when why, why would God trust you to be responsible for people who report to you? I knew this wasn't going to go over well. You see how quiet is in here now? That's all right. I love it when it's quiet because I start digging. Because apparently I must be in the right place. Right? And people, Pastor, I need you to pray. I need you to pray. I need, I need something better. I need something better, Pastor. I need something better. You get something better, you go, Pastor, I need you to pray. I don't want that. <laughs> Hello, somebody. Listen, take care of what you have. Before I had nice suits, I took care of the suits I had. Before I could afford nice shoes, I took care of the shoes I had. I don't care if I had cheap, payless shoes, they were shiny. Now, I don't have to wear payless shoes because now I make a lot more money. And it has nothing to do with the money we get from this church because I work. I have a job. Somebody say job. I have a J-O-B. My wife works. So what we wear and what we have is based on what we make, not what the church gives us. Our house is paid for because we work. So I can drive what I want to drive and live where I want to live, and I don't have to worry about people talking about, I wonder what they're doing with the church's money. You don't have to worry about that with us because you don't pay us. <laughs> Hello, somebody. So I can sit up here and I can talk about money and not have to worry about it because I'm clean. I, I am a man of integrity. I am not, I, I did not become a pastor to beg for money. I already had it before we started this church. The reason I'm writing books is so I can make money on the resources that God has given me in me. Now, some of you sitting in this church right now, you got a book in you, but you hadn't written it because you have talked yourself out of it. Well, I don't know. I'm writing a book. Why can't you write? I wrote one. I'm from the ghetto. Why can't you write a book? Why can't you create something that can bless other people? Why can't you create a manual that can help people with their, with their marriages or help people with their finances? Why can't you create a seminar? Somebody say he's talking about me. Yes, I'm talking about you. There are things inside of you that you need to tap into, and you're trying to figure out, well, well man, my job won't give me a promotion. Promote yourself. See, if you spend more time tapping into what God has placed in you as you do on your job. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. All right. All right. That didn't fly over very well. I might have to have a part two of this message because I am nowhere on what I thought I was going to be teaching today. So apparently there is a missing element in the house of God of people and stewardship. Apparently, so I'm going to just stay right in here. I'm not sure what the Lord is going to have me to say, but we're going to go on out there, okay? So listen, so let me just go and put my glasses up because I'm not, I don't think I'm going to look at that at all right now. So, so listen here, saints of God. Let, let me just be good and real, good and real. We don't say, that's how we say it in Alabama, good and real. Let me be good and real with you um, on, on today. Now, one, when I began to write my book, there were all sorts of things that wanted to tell me that I couldn't do it. But the loudest voice was not the devil. It was not people. The loudest voice was my own. When I got past my voice, I was able to accomplish it. Stop talking yourself out of things that God wants you to do. 
And you don't have to wait until you're old and grown to do great things for God. You can do great things for God right now, the age that you are right now. You don't have to wait for people. You can do something great right now. Can somebody say amen? amen. Listen, there, there, there are school teachers in this room right now that are making an incredible difference in the lives of other people. I can't even, I, 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 I can't even put my mind around being a school teacher. Good God of my, That's why I pray a lot for our school teachers. See, I was a student once. And I, <laughs> I wasn't a very good student. Not that I wasn't good at grades, because I did pretty, I had pretty good grades. I just, um, so <laughs> she just threw me under the bus, didn't she? See, I've been gone for too long. See, that's what it is. And so I, I, I wouldn't say that, yeah, I would say I was bad, right? I was a Johnny. Y'all heard the little Johnny jokes, right? I was Johnny. I was Johnny. And, and my mother, when my mother came, she told you guys I was Johnny. I was the worst of her kids. I, I was the ones that put calluses on her knees. So I can't even imagine what teachers have to go through. Now, back then, we don't have this today. I know if you're in the room, you don't have any clue what I'm about to talk about right now. Back then, you got a paddling. How many of y'all remember back, back then? How many of you probably got some sores, right? <laughs> you still got the marks, right? Now, now, how many in this church has never, ever heard of paddling before? By show of hands. Everybody. Now, I, we got paddling. So when we were out of order, we were brought into order. This was before my mama and my daddy found out. The problem that our school teachers got today is, first of all, they have no authority to bring their little rear ends back into the boundaries that they need to be in. And then, by the way, when they try to snatch them up, then the parents get mad. When they are not doing what they're supposed to do at home. Can somebody say amen? amen. Now, y'all know I'm telling the truth. Amen. See, back then, if I got out of order, I had Coach Bumpers. I'll never forget the man as long as I live. Coach Bumpers was the biggest man I had ever seen in my life. This man had shoulders just wide. He couldn't even get through doors. He had to go in sideways to just go in a place. This man was huge. I was afraid of Coach Bumpers. And when I got out of line, Coach Bumpers gave me my first paddling. Let me tell you something, saints of God. He didn't even swing. All he did was flip his wrist. He just did this. The man hit me so hard, I was up on my knees. I mean, my, my toes. I'm sorry, my knee. I should have I been on my knee. Maybe he would have gave me some grace. But I was up on my knee. See, I'm so horrified, I can't even remember what happened. I was up on my toes. Listen, and I begged Coach Bumpers. Coach Bumpers, is this between you and I? Y'all know why, right? Because we had something called parents. I don't know what the definition of parents are today. But parents back then, no, when they heard, they don't care that you already been paddled. No, my mama, my mama, my mama would beat me. And I said beat. I ain't said whip. My mama would beat me. And then she would say, and when your daddy get home, mama, please. Please, mama. Can you just beat me twice? And we call it even? Please don't tell daddy. 
And so she would tell daddy. And then daddy would come in and get his piece. I turned turn out all right. <laughs> Ain't too much wrong with, with me. <laughs> but you know, though, I lived in the hood. I never had a problem with the police. You know why? I knew respect. See, my daddy always taught us how to handle stuff like that. He said, boy, keep your mouth closed and say, yes, sir, no, sir. You'll come home. But when you don't know boundaries at home, then you don't know boundaries in the street. And you will open your mouth and a little bit too much with the wrong person. Hello, somebody. You're going to do that even if you're on the school ground and you run your mouth too much. Somebody eventually going to... You're going to run into the wrong person. Now, listen, there are right ways and wrong ways to do things. Parents are responsible for teaching our children. Let me say that one more time. Parents are responsible for teaching your children. It is not the responsibility of the teachers. The teachers are reinforcement, right? But unfortunately, some parents drop the kids off so the teachers can raise them. But then when you try to raise them, then that's when they want to be a parent. Am I telling some truth in here? And I'm standing flat-footed. I'm not scared. This is some of the things that we're dealing with in our community. So we got to police ourselves first. We got to make sure that, first of all, we're living right. See, our Constitution is based on righteousness. If you live right, you won't go to jail. (laughs) If you don't live right, you're probably going to go to jail. Or worse. Now, I killed it, yeah. Now, let, let me say this, because I think for too long, churches have really gotten off course with stuff. And we, we've gotten so involved now with these million-dollar budgets that, that it's more about the stage and the lights and the presentation and smoke. <laughs> and, and no, that's not what church is all about. Church is about educating people. Now, let me, since I'm black, I can talk about this kind of stuff. You know, the church used to be the educational mecca for the black community. This is where we would be educated is in the church because we talked about things that were relative to what we were going on in the community, that what was going on in the community. Amen. And so we should stay relevant to what's going on. I want to make sure that we understand that heaven is not going to be all black. It's not going to be all white, all Korean. This is why I disagree with these big mega churches. All of a sudden, they get a large Hispanic population, and then they have the Hispanic church now. So wait a minute. I thought we were supposed to be worshiping together. Why are you going to put them out in their own church? Oh, we get a a big Spanish population in here. They're going to be up in here preaching with us. Korean, they're going to be right up here. Korean, we're going to learn some Korean. I am not, let me tell you something, I am not going to allow another ethnic group to come in here, then I'm going to tell them, oh, let me just give you your little church. That's not God. In the book of Revelation, it said that he saw, he said, he, I saw them of all ethnic groups, tribes, nations, and tongues. Beautiful colors just like we see right here today come from a, a, a multiplicity of backgrounds and, and different things that we've been through. 
That's what makes us stronger as a church It's when we got multicultural people in the house of God. We've been through certain things in our lives and we can benefit from one another. I want to learn all I can from every ethnic group. I don't have any personal friends that are Korean, but I wish I did. I do have some that are from India. I, I like that. I do have a lot of white friends. But there are other cultures that I, I want to be personal friends with because I love learning about other cultures. Listen, saints of God, I, I know, see, listen, I know a lot of times when people are Christians, they got to make sure to get their little Christian voice over to people. But why don't you just befriend people first? For the Bible says, if you want friends, show yourself friendly. So before you throw Jesus at somebody, why don't you just give him an encouraging smile and say, hello. Good morning. How are you? Can I take you to lunch? I'll pay. But yet you see people, well, good morning. Oh, I'm blessed coming in, blessed going out. Ba 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 ha 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 You can't even get anything across to people because they're too spiritual. I was talking to a guy on the phone one day. He was, anybody, anybody ever been around anybody that's been oversaved? Yeah. <laughs> I was just oversaved. I know we're streaming live, so I got to be careful what I say. He was oversaved. He was spooky, yeah. I don't know if you guys ever had this, but he was, he was, he was really in touch. And so we would talk on the phone, and we would be in the middle of a conversation. He will go out in tongues on me. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting ready to go over there. Ha, ba, 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 ha, 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 ha. Yeah, pastor, it's going to be all right. Hey, 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 ba, ba, ba. Okay, Ray. All right. It's been nice talking to you. See, that's too spooky for me. Listen, I'm, I'm Holy Ghost Field. I do speak in tongues, but I'm not spooky. Uh, and you don't have to be spooky with it because the Bible does teach us that we should be speaking in tongues if you Holy Ghost feel. Hello, somebody. And if you don't understand all that, you need to come to our Bible class and I'll teach you all about what the Bible says compared to what some of these theologians think it says. And so we need to get the truth. We, I need to take you from tradition to revelation. And once you understand revelation, then you'll understand what's yours. One of the main reasons the church is so weak today is because of a missing element. That, now, let me get back into my message. I think that was a good safe way into this, right? And so this missing element is critical. Now, how many of you took chemistry in college or in high school? You took, y'all remember that periodic table? Now, man, that thing was a trip, wasn't it? You loved it. I didn't love it because my chemistry teacher was an alcoholic. And so, what? <laughs> he was. He was crazy. And so we knew when he was drinking. Because when he drank, it was just like this brother was on a whole nother level. But when he was sober, nobody liked him. He was mean and cantankerous, but we knew when he drank. Because when he came in, he was happy. And we was like, yes, this brother is drunk. So I like that. So he gave us a test, but he was sober. And he came in. Now, you know the periodic table, right? He came in. He says, look at the periodic table, and I want you to put in every element. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 118 elements. He said, I want you to put in every element in its place. Not that you put it on the table. You got to put it in its place. And all I knew was the first one, and that was hydrogen. 
I got that one. Now listen, the first time you take it, if you flunk, then the next time you take it, you can only make a B. And if you flunk that one, the next time you take it, the highest you can make is a C. Somebody said chemistry. That's why I'm not a chemist today. But when you start talking about chemistry, and there's a word called compounds, and when you start bringing chemical elements together, you have to be very careful of what elements you mix together. Come on, somebody. And so you can't have different things mixing, or you might have an explosion. Hello, somebody. Okay, so I've been talking about the missing elements, so let me get back to my my little Bible study here. See, you can have a homemade recipe. Hello, who likes to cook? You can have a homemade recipe. But if you miss one thing out of that homemade recipe and you taste it and you go, mmm, what, what, something, something's just something not right. Something's not, and then you start looking at the recipe again. What in the world did I miss? Because you got something missing. If you were a, a, a mechanic, let me put it like this. Let me get real, real with you. If you, <laughs> if you are a mechanic and you take your car to this mechanic and the mechanic is working on your brakes. And he's sitting there working on your brakes. And he says, man, I'm almost done. And there, there are some parts that are over here on this side that don't, don't supposed to be there. They're supposed to be on your brakes. But he says, shoot, I got to go home. Let me go and button this thing up, give you a call. Hey, you can come and pick up your car. So there's probably going to be a devastating result. <laughs> Once you try to use those brakes because something's missing. Hello. So, so you can be a plumber and you're working on somebody's house. You're constructing a house, right? But you fail to connect the pipe to the high water heater. So when, they, when, that, when that homeowner turn on that water, there's going to be a problem. So can you see that if one element is missing, it can have devastating consequences? I truly believe that there is a missing element in the church today, which is why the church has been so weak. Now, what is that missing element? Is it reading the Bible? Oh, it's not reading the Bible. Is it evangelizing? No, it's not evangelizing. Is it worship? It is not worship either. That is not the missing element. But the Bible teaches us what the missing element is and what it will always be. Now, you guys remember that prior to the crucifixion and after the crucifixion, something was missing. Okay, so you remember that? Something was missing. So, so I'm going to take you to, to some word here, but before I do that, I want to show you some statistics. This is, this is pretty interesting here. This is Barnard Statistics of 2016. It says this, 73% of Americans identify as Christian. Now, now I, 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 I had to, um, I don't agree with that number. Because I truly believe that a lot of people who identify as Christian don't know what Christian is. Have you received since you believe? I truly believe people believe something that they ain't received. But that's my personal belief because I talk to a lot of people. And based on their fruitlessness. So Jesus says, as Christians, we have a right to judge. So I don't care what anybody in the world says that tells you that you can't judge. That's a lie. The Bible teaches us clearly in the book of Corinthians that we can judge the house of the Lord. We have a right to judge people in the house. I can't judge people who are unregenerate because they're not saved. But as long as you come in the house of the Lord and you so-called call yourself a Christian as a pastor, I have a right to judge you if you're not living right. You got a right to judge me if I'm not living right. Now, that's Bible. I question that. 
48% of them are non-practicing. Let me, let me tell you what that non-practicing means because I had to look up the definition. So 48% of the 73% are non-practicing, which means they don't go to church on a regular basis, they don't give, they don't go to Bible study, they don't read the Bible, they don't worship, and they don't pray. So how can they be Christian? <laughs> I'm just giving y'all the statistics. Somebody says statistics. 17% of Christians who do attend church actually have a biblical worldview. Let me tell you what a biblical worldview is. You believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. There are a lot of people who claim to be Christians don't even believe that fact, that Jesus is God, that Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit are the Trinity. They don't believe that they are one. That's a biblical worldview. 17%. Now, you got 48%, 17%. That's pretty high of the 73%. Oh, let me give you another one. You don't like that one. Let me, let me, let me deal with some of you Oprah people. 61% agree with ideas rooted in New Age. You know, New Age is rooted in Satan. Now, oh, let me tell you the new name, the new name. The new name is New Spirituality. See, they changed the name to pull ignorant Christians. Isn't that something? They know what they're doing. The enemy is not stupid. So you put a spiritual name on it so everybody's flocking to it because it sounds good. But there is a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, it leads to destruction. So, so listen, I wanted to give you those because those are some incredible numbers. And this is the church today. And then we try to wonder why the church is so weak. We wonder why there's no more healings and deliverances in the churches today. It's because a lot of people in the church don't even really believe. You see, you see how quiet it got in here? I don't care about it being quiet. I came in here to give you the truth. We're going to have to get better. We're going to have to love people more. We're going to have to be more vocal about what we believe. None of the people that are in Islam are shy about what they believe. The Jehovah's Witnesses ain't afraid of you. You're afraid of them. You're closing the, you closing the shades. Up, get down. If they, if they ring your doorbell, don't say nothing. Shut the dog up. They need truth, too. I invite them. I think they got my house marked. I can't get them back to my house. They'll go to my neighbor, and they'll go to my other neighbor, but they won't come to my house because I like talking to them because I want to know where their head is so I can give them some truth. Hello, somebody. So why are we so afraid to say the name of Jesus? Don't want people to know you're a Christian. Let me tell you something. You're not weak to say you're a Christian. You're actually strong. Just two weeks ago, Christians were on their way to pray on a bus in Egypt, pulled off the bus, all of them killed. We're in America where we get to worship the God in freedom, and we can't hardly get people to come to church. When you got people in Egypt knowing that their lives are at stake, but they're still doing what they are called to do. This is why you need to get out of America for a little bit so you can understand what's going on around the world. We got some luxuries here that I believe too many people take for granted. So I fought for this nation, so I love this nation. I, I, I really do. I, and for me, let me just be honest with you, it doesn't matter who the president is. As a military man, I support my president because he's the commander-in-chief, right? So if it's a Republican or Democrat president, 
hey, he's the commander-in-chief, so I, I support that, and I pray for him because the Bible says to pray for them. And if you're not praying for them, then you're not doing what you're supposed to do. But if you put your mouth on somebody and don't quite understand everything that's going on, none about, nobody in this room know everything that's going on. Why do we act like we know everything? I see people on Facebook. They think they know. I mean, these are some of the dumbest people. I'm like, you don't even understand all of the rooted issues on there. You don't even understand the rooted issues of Islam, but you're making a statement like you do. And because I've studied religion, I understand what it is. And people don't even understand that. So listen, we don't, nobody in this room knows. I have no idea everything in this Bible. I'm trying to learn as best as I can to be a better person and a better man, a better father and a better husband. And that's what we're all trying to obtain to do. But listen, if we don't mess around there and start coming together and stop all this hatred, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to split this nation apart. And where does it start? It better start right here in the church. It's going to start right here. See, when, when we can get rid of racism in the church, then we can bring the churches together. Amen. So we got some problems here, saints of God, with these statistics. And so that's why I call this the missing element. I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to pray, and I'm going to stop, because I got this other stuff I want to get into, and I can't get into it without going through everything, and for the sake of time, I can't get into it today. So let me, let me just give you these two points, and then, and then I'm going to pray, okay? Is that all right? Okay. So you got to come back next Sunday to get... What is next Sunday? Is that Father's Day? So you got to come after Father's Day, because I got a different message for Father's Day. So to get the, the last part of this one, you got to come to Sunday. So you got to come for two more weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I set that one up, didn't I, bro? All right. So listen, check this out. Check this out. Check this out. Now, this, is, this didn't just start. Y'all know that, right? We can trace this all the way back to the Garden of Gethsemane. Let me tell you why, and then we, we're going to pray. When they came to the Garden of Gethsemane to, to arrest Jesus, they came and he said, whom you, do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. We all know that they arrested Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. But what you may not know, the Bible is clear that it said when they arrested Jesus and they took him off, the Bible says that his disciples fled and followed him no more. Specifically says that. Saints, it is difficult, difficult to handle when you help somebody. You've done so much for them. You even went lacking to help people. But then when you needed them, they were nowhere to be found. That is hard. This is where Jesus found himself. He had been teaching his disciples for 30 years, living, breathing, moving, doing the things of the Lord, of, of, of God, to show them a representation of who God was. And when he needed them most, they fled. That was before the crucifixion. But listen, what happened after the crucifixion? After the crucifixion, you couldn't find those rascals. Where were they? The book of John says they fled into their homes for fear of the Romans. So they were quiet. They were scared. And they went into this self-preservation mentality that I got to save myself. So all that percentage didn't just start today. We've been running from Christ for years. But here's my question 
for, for you today. Are you going to stand when things get tough or run? I know you've already said, but by the mm and the ah uh, and the grunts that I got, I know that some of you have helped some people that when you needed their help, they weren't nowhere to be found. That's a difficult thing to go through. It's, it's hard to forgive people that do that to you, but you still have to forgive, right? We, we, we've done that in the church. I mean, we've helped so many people in this church and went way out for people, and they never came back. It, it, it happens, right? It's okay. It's still not going to hinder what we've done because you did it to bless them, right? And God will continue to bless you. But here, here, here's, what I, what, here's what I want to say here, saints of God. What if you are really challenged based on your Christianity? So right now we're not really challenged in America. But what if we get to a point to where you're really challenged? Columbine was a challenge. Because based on the reports, the guys asked them if they believed Jesus and Jesus. And if they did, they were killed, according to what they're reporting, right? What would you do? <laughs> if that time came for you and ISIS came in here, because the biggest thing is if you don't convert, you die. So what if that time happened? And I'm just talking right now. I know we can quickly say, oh, I would just say I believe Jesus. But when you got a machete or a gun pointing at your head, what's going to go through your mind? I would hope that regardless of what anybody says or does, that we would take a stand for Christ because he took a stand for us. He was willing to die for you. But are you really? willing to die for him. I know we say, ooh, I'm willing to die to my flesh. I know we get into all of that stuff. But what if it came down to you actually having to make a decision about living for Christ at that very moment, knowing that you could be killed? What would that decision be? This is why I preach like I do, because I want you to think about this kind of stuff. Because if we don't get stuff right in this nation, we're going to have some problems on our hands. And if the churches keep on playing games and stop giving people the truth and, and stop placating just to fill up the seats, I don't even worry about filling up seats in this church. That's the furthest thing from my mind because it's not my church, it's his church. And he's going to have who he needs here at the right time. And listen, I don't, I don't do sermons, by the way, guys. For you that are visiting, I don't do sermons. I do messages. I'll write up what I think God wants me to preach. But as you can see right here, sometimes I don't even get a chance to look at a lot of that. Because it's whatever God wants for his people at that moment. Now, I don't even know why I went into all of this. I, and and I, used, I used to question it, but now I don't even question it anymore. It's like somebody obviously needed it, and apparently it must be this church. Somebody in here needed something that I just said. Because you're going to have to take a bold stand one day for what you believe. Have you received since you believed? We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. 
Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number three, dot org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.